Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Sunday morning. I know I promised a Saturday night stream. I promised one. I didn't give you one uh, because I've been drinking Robitussin like it's whiskey over the last couple of days and uh, feeling a little bit better this morning. So I'm going to try to battle it out with you. Call this my flu game. I'm, I'm Michael Jordan. Although it wasn't bad pizza, it's uh, all that seasonal sinus stuff started here. Then it got to my throat. Now it's in my chest, whatever. I'm feeling better, good enough to talk football with you guys on this Sunday morning. It is really good to see you. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. What a day yesterday was, right? Like, I know it's really sad. It's really sad that that was the last regular season weekend of college football. It just flew by, you know? I mean, it's just gone. Like, I remember talking about week one with you guys, sitting right here, on Monday night, after Ole Miss played Louisville, uh, and now it's like fast forward of 12 hours, and here we are at the end of the regular season. So that is very, very sad. It's terrible. But what a day, what a weekend that was in college football. There is so much to get to. So much to get to. And we've got coaching search stuff on top of that. LSU may or may not have been told no last night, although coaches lie. You know, it's we'll see. I don't think what Lincoln Riley said was as much of a denial as others do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading too far into it. But we've heard coaches before say, I will not be the next head coach at the school in which I take a job in a couple of weeks. So anyway, there's so much to get to. I'm Michael Borky. I'm really happy to see you guys on on this Sunday morning. Again, my apologies for not uh, making good on my promise to do a Saturday night uh, stream. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I'm, I'm really sorry. But we're here, and we're talking football. And honestly, I think this is a little bit better to do it this morning, have everything kind of sink in a little bit uh, as we get going. So I do want to remind you, if you're, uh, if you're watching on Twitter, uh, for those of you watching on Twitter, you cannot... Uh, you cannot comment. You can't be a part of it. And I'd love for you to. So hop on over to YouTube or Facebook. Sid's on Facebook here. Chris is on YouTube. If you want to be a part of it, actually comment and uh, you know drive the conversation. I'd love to actually hear from you instead of just talk to myself for the next little while. Uh, so find me on YouTube or Facebook, but YouTube preferably. Michael Borky on YouTube. Find me there. Subscribe and uh, hit the notification bell as as well. That would help me a ton. So yeah, Chris just sends uh, those those emojis, which I don't know why my software turns it into that, whatever that is, but it's the uh, the mask emoji. So it says, what a day in all caps of football. One of the best in a while. Michigan, Ohio State, A&M, LSU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, all classics. Oh yeah. And I loved the weather in Ann Arbor. Uh, Football weather to me is not snow. Like, I don't call that football weather. I'd rather it be 
75 degrees and sunny because I don't know. I'm weird like that. I would rather have as little outside factors affecting a game as possible, right? That's just, I, I want every Super Bowl and national championship to be played in a dome because I don't want weather to affect the game. I know it's part of it, all that, whatever. But to me, I don't want anything other than the players at their best to be playing. However, that was a pretty cool scene yesterday in Ann Arbor. 110,000 people packed into a stadium. It's 29 degrees. Snow is falling. That that was fun. That was a lot of fun yesterday. And uh, shout out to Michigan. I mean, they've been getting it. Forgive my language on this this Sunday morning, but they've been getting their asses kicked by Ohio State for like two decades now. Jim Harbaugh was what, 0-6 going into this game against Ohio State? Finally got one. Uh, that was a, a great environment, great scene with the snow falling and all that. That was a, a lot of fun. I know a lot of you probably didn't watch it, but the uh, the Michigan State-Penn State game, they were that was a real snow game. Like, it was just falling in Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan State-Penn State played on snow. Like, it was white. The field was white, and snow was falling. Like, you couldn't even really see the, uh, the, the Penn State players wearing all white, like, on the field. You had to really focus to see them. So that was really cool as, uh, as well. But, yeah, man, I mean, A&M, LSU, uh, what a drive. What a throw. Uh, I, Texas A&M is, is soft. Everything about that program is soft. It is the softest overall mental mentality. I don't know how you, how you want to describe it. I'm a little foggy. Their mentality bleeds into their football team. They are the softest group of people in major college athletics. They really are. We'll get to that here in a little bit. How am I feeling? A little bit better, still miserable, but less miserable. So here we are. Since says Lincoln didn't sound too sure about anything post game. He was dazed. Yeah, I mean the the quote right was, uh, "Let me stop you right there. I will not be the next coach at LSU." I think is what he said. Uh, we just we've heard that before, and I feel bad doing this because it's like I don't know I don't know Lincoln Riley personally, and calling him a liar that's not that's not good. Slapping a, a bad character trait on somebody I don't know is not good. I shouldn't do that. However, people in his profession have set the precedent on whether or not you should believe that statement. And the precedent is no, you should not believe that statement. I know it was pretty direct, it was pretty pointed. And, you know, do you believe him? Maybe. Uh, but, and we'll get into this some a little bit later. Uh, do you believe him? Do you believe him when he says, I will not be the next coach at LSU? Do you believe that? Because we've heard that before, and it has not been true. Tommy Tuberville, if you're looking for a local example, Nick Saban, I will not be the next head coach at Alabama. And guess what? Nick Saban ended up, as we know, being the coach at Alabama. So precedent says not to believe that, but maybe he was telling the truth. Good morning, William. Glad to see you. Patrick says, looking at prices for hotel rooms on New Year's weekend, including ticket prices, I'm going to have to take out a second mortgage to go to the bowl game. Yeah, I, I've seen a few people and had a few people say that they want uh, Ole Miss to go to the Fiesta Bowl because it's something different. And yeah, I, I mean, sure, that, that's that would be fun. If you're one of those people that can afford the trip, I, I've been to Phoenix. It's a cool city. You'd have a lot of fun there if you play golf. 
There's great golf in the area. My gosh. I mean, you can you can play great golf in Phoenix, Arizona, the area, for really cheap. It's a cool city. There's a lot of stuff to do. That would be a fun trip. But I don't think, this is just my opinion, I don't think you want Ole Miss to go to the Fiesta Bowl. Because you would bring, I don't know, ten to 15,000 people to the Fiesta Bowl, maybe. You'd bring 35 to 45 to Atlanta and New Orleans. If you really want to create a great bowl game environment, you would much rather have it be the driving distance places as opposed to getting on a $700 flight to Phoenix to play in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know. That's just me. I think you would rather play closer because more of you can go, and if more of you go, it creates a better environment. And uh, don't listen to people. I I hate when people do this. Oh, New Orleans is gross. Why would you ever go to New Orleans? Oh, Atlanta. No, no. You can have a blast in New Orleans, even now, after the hurricane, and they still have some restrictions. Not many, but some. Um, and, and Atlanta. You can have a great time in both of those cities right now. Like, don't listen to a single person that says, oh, no, you don't want to, New Orleans, oh, it's gross. Like, you can't have fun. It's terrible. No, it's not. You can have a blast in New Orleans right now. Absolutely. I was there back in April, had a great time, and they were more restrictive in April than now. It's still a fun city. You can have a great time there. And same thing with Atlanta. You can have a blast in Atlanta, I promise. So don't listen to those people that, oh, you know, I don't want to go to Atlanta. Atlanta's terrible. No, that's what the 24-hour news network told them. Atlanta's a great time. You can have a lot of fun there. You can have a lot of fun in New Orleans. Don't listen to those people. It's crazy. I think you would rather play in those two places because more of you can go as opposed to Phoenix. Williams says Bama looks to be falling off at the wrong time of year. Yeah, they've just got they've got some they're human this year. Their offensive line is quite bad, honestly. They're really bad. Um, I don't think their scheme is that great offensively either. The, Bill O'Brien's going to be one and done there at uh, at Alabama, but yeah, you know, this is just a human Alabama team. And uh, Nick Saban's rant last week, I think he was spot on. I I, I know the internet is not the best gauge of you know, a a true fans feeling, but the way some Alabama fans that I've seen have, uh, have talked about this team, how mad they were last night after a win against their rival, uh, Nick Saban was onto something. These aren't football playing robots. They're college kids. Uh, You're not going to be perfect every year. Uh, It's that expectation is sad, really. And the fact that you can't enjoy Going eleven and one, beating your rival, going to the SEC championship—that's a you problem. That's not an Alabama football problem. That's not the team's problem. That's a you problem. Um, it's sad, really, that it that it's like that. Imagine being an Alabama fan, being mad today. I, I, it's terrible. And Nick Saban's on to something. He is. I think. Um, I think everything he said in his rant was justified. The entitlement of his fan base is really pathetic. I, I hate to be so strong. I'm still not feeling well, so I'm coming strong today. Um, it's pathetic, that that, that mindset. There are, you're going to have morons call into the Feinbaum show and call into Jock's radio in the morning and say things about Alabama that are just ridiculous. No, they're not perfect this year. Nick Saban's allowed to have a team that isn't perfect every so often. It, it's okay. 
they just went 11 and one and fans are bad. These people are ridiculous. Chase says, we are a Baylor and Iowa win next week from having Georgia, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and God knows who for the fourth. Seems like a whole lot of watching Rocky five on AMC for the second quarter to me. Uh, yeah. Or, or we have a playoff that features Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma state, which I think would be a really fun one. We'll see. Dark Steel says, what's up, Borky? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving day. Rivalry weekend is the best weekend in college football, no doubt. And did it deliver? Did it deliver yesterday? It was great. Uh, Dabo to LSU thoughts. I think LSU would be crazy not to have had tried, but I don't think Dabo's leaving Clemson. Um, he is their Bear Bryant. Dab- Dabo's their Bear Bryant. He is he is Clemson football. I know they won a championship in what nineteen eighty one. Danny Ford, uh, but Clemson football is nothing. They have no history. Um, it, it's in the year they won the national championship. They started the season unranked, and ESPN called that the worst season in college football history. I'm not kidding. Back uh, they they had one of their little sports almanac things, and that was the label they gave to the nineteen eighty one season was the worst season in college football history. So that's all they've got. I mean, no Heisman Trophy winners, no history of success, uh, very little conference championships. I mean, they've, they've been awful. It's been a bad program. And Dabo is the reason they are where they are. Uh, yeah, I think he'd kind of be a fool not to leave. I mean, he's getting nine-plus million dollars. Uh, they'll, they'll keep raising his pay for however long he stays. He's competing for championships. Hell, they had a down year and just went nine and three. This is a bad, this was a bad Dabo Sweeney team, and they went nine and three. Um, I think he stays put forever. I think he retires at at Clemson. He should anyway. Um, Does Bama really want to play Georgia? Yeah, probably not. (laughs) If Auburn shut that offense down for four, well, three and three quarters and 11 minutes, then George is going to. Um, Speaking of the Iron Bowl, it was a fun game, all that. It was really poorly played for the first few quarters. Uh, Brian Harson's a loser. I'm sorry to be so so harsh again today. Uh, He's a loser. Not going for two when you score that touchdown in overtime, that's, that's loser stuff. If I were an Auburn fan, I, I would be absolutely fine if he has, in fact, not gotten his COVID jabs and the state mandate makes him lose his job. I, seriously. That, right, especially when in the second overtime period you showed you had a great two-point conversion play that worked beautifully, that was specifically repair, uh, prepared for that moment, and it worked great, and you don't use that You've got your backup quarterback playing on one ankle. I mean, Finley was done. He couldn't walk. He couldn't walk, and you score a touchdown in overtime, and you've got this play in your holster, and instead you kick an extra point. That was not coaching to win. That that was coaching not to lose, and that's loser stuff. And, And when you coach not to lose, guess what happens? You freaking lose the game. I mean, giving up a 98-yard touchdown drive with under two minutes left where your opponent has no timeouts, that's bad enough. But I get it. It's Alabama. It happens, whatever. But when you're in overtime and you score a touchdown and you've got a quarterback that is, I mean, he can't walk. You're not going to get that chance. He can't walk. 
You're not going to score a touchdown again. You've got this play in the holster. Go for two. Go for the win. Not a single person would have faulted you today. Not one person would have faulted you today for going for two there. Not one. You're playing with house money. You have no business being in this game. Your backup quarterback can't walk. Go for the win right there. But instead, he did the cowardly thing and kicked an extra point and lost the game as a result. If I'm an Auburn fan today, I'm furious because for all all the criticism, we'll use a local comparison, all the criticism that Lane Kiffin gets for being too aggressive. You know who wouldn't have kicked an extra point there? Lane Kiffin, because he coaches to win. A lot of coaches would have gone for two there. It's not unique to Lane. It's just a local example. He gets criticism for being too aggressive. He wouldn't have there. A lot of coaches would have gone for two there. Coach with guts. Sam Pittman did it in another local in the Ole Miss game. He went for two. He didn't make it, but not a single person faulted him today. Coach to win the game. Brian Harson with house money in a game that his team had no business being in at all. But they were there and they're in overtime. Go for the win. You play Herm Edwards to win the game. By the way, Herm's going to stay at Arizona State. Sounds like Billy Napier's off to Florida. Uh, You play to win the game. I I was mad watching that last night, and I'm okay with Auburn losing games. I'm I'm indifferent about it. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. Auburn wins, loses, who cares? It's nice to see Alabama lose, so I was rooting for Auburn, to tell you the truth, but didn't affect me any, and I was mad. Go for two in the win, especially when you have that play. They had a great two-point play that they they had to use on the next possession. It was a great one. Why didn't you use it? I, I'm getting mad again. Oh, that was terrible. Chase says, what do you have to gain by kicking the PAT? You weren't playing for the West or an outside shot at the playoff. You weren't going to improve your bowl standing. There was no plus to keep. None. You're exactly right. None. Zero. There was no nothing. Nothing. That tells you, I need to tie it up here. I mean, that that's coaching to lose. Or, or coaching not to lose. And guess what happens when you coach not to lose? You lose. I, I mean, Especially, it'd be different if he was a first-year head coach. You know, a guy that well, like was a hotshot coordinator or whatever and hasn't had to manage a game on his own yet. I mean, I guess I would understand it, but this is a guy that's been head coach for a while. He's been a head coach for a while. How do you do that? How do you do that? It's a shame. It's a shame. You wasted such a great effort from your defense, man. I mean, completely shut down Alabama for for three quarters and 11 minutes. Played a hell of a game, and yet you didn't give them a chance to win it. It's a shame. It's a shame. But yeah, Bill O'Brien's LSU candidacy, candidacy, by the way, the people that are insisting that he's a candidate, um, no shot, right? I mean, no way. No way Scott Woodward hires that guy, he'll be uh, looking for a job after this year, I think. Uh, if Bryce Young wins the Heisman Trophy, I know a lot of people around here focus on the Heisman, myself included, because there's a guy that for a while had a shot at it. I don't think he does anymore, but um, that is not the most outstanding player in college football. Not, not at all. And, and if he wins it, I mean, the, the popularity of the trophy is already dwindling anyway. 
ratings numbers and stuff are, are way, way down. But it's um, it's not deserved. His position there is not deserved. Uh, and uh, this is a, a difficult year, right? Because nobody's really emerged. Georgia is a complete team, and they're winning games based on defense. And you don't give that trophy to defensive players anymore, apparently. Um, so, so who is it then? Who has emerged as a favorite? I don't know. I mean, I think my vote right now would go to C.J. Stroud. His team got smoked yesterday, but he threw for 400 yards in the snow against the number five team in college football. I mean, you know, he threw for 400 yards and two touchdowns in the snow against the number on the road against the number five team in college football. Like, even his team getting smoked, he was still good like that. So he would get my vote. He his numbers are are jarring, and um, that's who I would vote for. If it were me, if I had a ballot, which I don't, but there's no real clear favorite, but I can tell you the most outstanding player in the sport is not Bryce Young. And the fact that he's even involved in it at all is only because he's the quarterback at Alabama and no outstanding other reason at all. None. And you're right. Bryce Young is a play. Okay. And keep it close from a Heisman, which is ridiculous. I hate the narrative based resume. Yeah. He, he doesn't belong. He doesn't belong there at all. Kenny Pickett does. Over Bryce Young. He's been more outstanding than Bryce Young. It's crazy. And yeah, just take a, a group vote and have it the uh, the Georgia defense. The Georgia defense should win the Heisman Trophy. Just give it to them all. Like, just put the trophy, you know, somewhere in their facility and just your defense was the most outstanding player in college football. And yeah, the vote will be as spread out as ever, which is why I think that Matt Corral deserves to go to the ceremony. I'm not saying that he should win it. Again, if I had a vote, I'd give it to to Stroud right now. Look at his numbers and what he's done. Even in the loss, he was still unbelievable. Uh, But that's who would get my vote for whatever that's worth. Uh, Matt Corral belongs in New York. He belongs in New York. But the way that Young played yesterday... I mean, going 10-2 and two on a bum ankle, being the only 3,500, so 3,000 passing yards or more, 500 rushing yards or more player in college football, uh, he belongs. He absolutely belongs in New York City, and uh, I hope he gets the chance. Uh, the, the, the precedent is anywhere from three to six guys uh, can get the invite. Uh, he, he deserves uh, to be invited. Absolutely, he deserves to be invited to New York for the ceremony. And uh, if if he doesn't go, it's a shame, really, because he was more outstanding than Bryce Young this year. He was. So, yeah, that's the uh, the Iron Bowl. The game, uh, Ohio State's defense is soft. They've been soft all year, and Michigan uh, exposed it. Michigan really, or excuse me, the Big Ten really needs Michigan to win the, uh, the Big Ten championship game. But... Um, What a scene. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was hoping to see uh, when I turned that game on at 11 o'clock, was that scene right there. And and Hassan Haskins, I mean, just basically by himself. But Michigan ran for 300 yards against an Ohio State defense. Uh, They've been been soft all year, and and Michigan exposed it. But um, now they're... They're playing, winning they're in, in the playoff. You beat Iowa, a team that you're better than, and, and you're going to make the college football playoff. And what a good example that is. I, I like what that says. 
for Michigan because they could have easily fired Harbaugh last year and everybody would have understood. Maybe these quick trigger firings on these coaches is a bad idea. I think Florida is going to feel that here soon. I like Billy Napier. I hope he's successful. I think he will be, but um, firing coaches a year after they go to the conference championship, uh, look at what it's gotten these people, these quick trigger firings that you've had in college football. Maybe it's going to come back to bite them. Instead, Michigan decided to rework Harbaugh's contract. I think he's getting paid a little less, but they stuck with him and look at what happened. When you know you've got a good coach, Maybe don't fire them after uh, one down season because now Michigan's a win away from the playoff after they decided, you know what? He's right there. He's close. Had a down year. We're going to give him another shot. Look at what happens. Maybe just a quick trigger firing isn't the answer always. And Michigan is a, a shining example of that. And then the same thing for coaches. We talk about this a lot. Maybe the grass isn't always greener somewhere else. It's, seemingly getting harder and harder to hire coaches. I mean, if Lincoln Riley does, in fact, stay at Oklahoma, that means that LSU is going to be 0 for their first two in their search, and maybe they'll end up getting Mark Stoops. Maybe that'll work out, or Matt Campbell. But Michigan State kept their guy. Penn State kept their guy. Wake Forest is keeping their guy. Baylor's keeping their guy. And maybe... Again, maybe Lincoln Riley saying no is going to reset things in terms of the LSU search. Maybe they actually pursue Lane Kiffin more than they have so far. I don't know, but it's seemingly getting harder and harder to keep coaches or or to hire away coaches from lesser schools. I think that's a great thing for college football and good for Michigan and Nebraska, for example. So Nebraska went, what, one and eight in, in Big Ten play, right? I think they went one and eight in Big Ten play, and their scoring margin was zero. Seriously, zero. They went one and eight, and their scoring margin was zero. All eight of their losses were by nine points or less. They only got beat in conference play by one team by more than one score, and it was Ohio State who beat them by nine. So Nebraska sees a situation where they're close, and it's not a good cycle for hiring anyway. Frost is going to get another shot. And next year, I promise you, the team's going to be better. Maybe we're actually going to see a trend of of this moving forward. I don't know. Hopefully so. Recent Florida coaches posted an 89-48 record with three trips to the SEC title game, and Florida is searching for a coach. This, you know, and people say there's cultural stuff with Mullen and recruiting and whatnot, but if you're going to start paying what these schools are paying and then fire coaches after one bad year, we're going to get into a cycle where even these rich schools won't be able to afford all these buyouts and stuff. It's ridiculous. And then you add, oh, at LSU is 51 and 20 with a national title and he's unemployed this morning. At some point, these have to catch up to them. I think they will. At some point, eventually, it's going to catch up to these schools. And at some point, these coaches are going to get smart. They're going to put their pride aside and get smart and realize, wait a minute. But take Lane Kiffin, for example. Maybe he does leave after this year. Maybe he doesn't. I, I don't know. Um, maybe Miami misses on Mario Cristobal, and they end up going after Kiffin, and they can find a way to get the money, and they hire him. Maybe that does happen. However, if you're Lane Kiffin, and you're looking around at the landscape, 
it, it's a hell of a lot easier to stay in these places now, I think. Because right now, I, Ole Miss is going to take him up over eight if he gets another, if, if a, a suitor comes. He'll, he'll get up over eight, top 10 salary in college football. So if I was in his position, I'm coaching in the SEC West, going to be making $8 million a year, top 10 salary. I can win. You can win at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, for that matter. I know there's state fans in here. You can win there. Is it more difficult? Yes, absolutely it is. But Ole Miss is going to their third access bowl since 2014. Very few programs in college football have done that. It's our third one since they began in 2014. It's pretty impressive. You can win. You can recruit. To Alabama's level, no, but you can win. And Lane Kiffin next year can go 7-5, and five, and the fans will understand. They won't call for his head. I mean, some idiots will, but largely, university leadership and the fan base will get it. That, hey, losing Matt Corral, you're going to lose Drummond, you're going to lose Sanders. Um, you know, it's a bit of a rebuilding year next year for Ole Miss. And that's acceptable at a place like Ole Miss. It's not acceptable at Florida, obviously. I mean, look at what Florida lost from last year's team to this year's team. Everybody, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, offensive line, defensive players. It This year was a total rebuild. It's not acceptable at Florida. If Lane Kiffin stays at Ole Miss and next year he's at 7-5, and five, their schedule is pretty easy on the front end. So let's just say they go 7-5 and five next year. Ole Miss fans will be perfectly fine. They will understand. So I can make top 10 salary, coach in the SEC West. I can win. But if I lose, people understand. Why would I go to Florida where I'm I'm in the SEC? So same thing. Making top 10 salary. So same thing. I can win. Maybe a little bit higher. True. But if I have a down year after losing my entire roster, my ass gets fired. And I've... People say, well, as long as the buyouts are what they are, people are going to keep taking these jobs. I understand, but again, I would rather have $5 million a year over the next five years than a $12 million buyout being unemployed. There, there's more money in keeping your job than losing your job, and nobody wants to lose their job anyway, regardless of how much it pays you at the end. These guys want to coach. They pick up their families. They move to these places. I don't know. It, at some point, people in the position that Dave Aranda, Lane Kiffin, Matt Campbell, Dave Clawson, these guys are going to realize, you know what? I've got it pretty damn good where I'm at. Maybe they'll realize that. But even on a lower level, I'm happy with Leach, but Moorhead has a winning record, bowl games, and didn't lose to Ole Miss, and he got fired. Yeah, that's... um. You know, there were there were some things that were going on inside the program. I mean, they had a NCAA scandal. Mississippi State right now is on probation for academic fraud right now. That did happen under Joe Moorhead. Um, hasn't or wasn't covered all that much, but, you know, um, that's how it goes. But that that's quite literally a thing right now. Is state is on probation for academic fraud. That happened under Joe Moorhead. And, and the 
the whole quarterback getting knocked out of a bowl game for getting punched in the face thing uh, also did it. So it wasn't just results that, that got him fired. But yeah, that definitely put a mark on Mississippi State. That did. In their last coaching search, they got Mike Leach because they paid a lot and he wanted to try his system in the SEC. And I think every SEC job that is not Missouri or Vanderbilt's a top 35 job anyway. It is the SEC. Um, but it did, the, the coaching search for State, it did taint it some. Because wait, you're telling me I can beat my rival twice and have a winning record and you're still going to fire me? No thanks. Hello, Billy Napier. Um, that, that hurt it some. And that's what I was telling people after the Memphis game that wanted Mike Leach to get fired. I said, there's no way in hell you can do that. There's no way in hell you could do that because that would def. I mean, nobody would pick up your phone call at all if you would have. And, and they weren't going to, but the people that thought that they should, there's no way. No way that you would have hired your top five candidates in that case. Luckily, Mike Leach righted the ship, and people aren't talking about that anymore. No pun intended. Brown Yeti. Says, uh, top coaches staying equals more parity. I think we're headed that way. I hope so, man. I mean, these, these schools are committing more money than ever. Ole Miss, if the rumors are true, Lane Kiffin's going to get $8 million a year, possibly more, with incentives. These schools are committing now more money financially than they ever have. I mean, that shit, that, that's big money. I can't believe they have it, but it's what you got to do. And I'm glad to see that they're doing it. Glad to see that they're doing it. Pine Belt Adventure says State got mad. Ole Miss got a shiny new car. That played a huge piece in firing Moorhead. Williams says, over the years, I've watched State and Ole Miss fire good coaches over Egg Bowl losses. Very dumb. Uh, that's not happening in this case. Uh, not in this case. But next year's Egg Bowl is really important for uh, for Mike Leach. It's really important for uh, for Mike Leach, no doubt. Bedlam was incredible last night. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. What a football game that was. And what a cool environment there at, at Boone Pickens Stadium. I don't know how they're allowed to have the sidelines that small. Have you noticed that? There's like 10 feet of space between the sideline and the first row of seats in that place. I mean, the players are crammed into the sidelines there. It's pretty impressive. But the hell of a game last night. Oklahoma State can, and I think they will. Here, here's a take for you. I think they will make the playoff if um, if they beat Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. Because I think Alabama is going to lose uh, to Georgia, knocking them out. And I think Oklahoma State's going to make it. That was a hell of a football game. It was so much fun. Great environment, all that. Mike Gundy's got his team rolling. They're a win over Baylor away from making the playoff. But the story was after the game in Lincoln Riley and LSU. Somebody... I don't remember who it was. It was a it was a Twitter blue check mark, but they didn't have, um, they didn't have that much, uh, that many followers. I don't know if that means it doesn't mean anything. It shouldn't mean anything. Followers on Twitter mean nothing. Um, but it it is it can be an indicator for breaking news reporter anyway. Um. Anyway, 
report came out during the game that LSU and Lincoln Riley had a verbal agreement to a contract, and it was going to get signed after Bedlam. That they verbally agreed to terms, and after the game, they were going to to meet and, and sign it. That came out during the game. That was a report out there. Lincoln Riley was asked after the game, and he stopped the question and said, I'll stop you right there. I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. Next question. Do you believe him is the question of the day. Do you believe Lincoln Riley when he says he will not be the next head coach at LSU? The next question is, if he's telling the truth, who do they go after now? Who's next on that list? Because Jimbo's likely going to tell them no, probably already has. Lincoln Riley, if you believe him, will also tell them no, despite the 12 to $13 million a year they were allegedly offering him to be their coach. So where do they go next? Apparently Mark Stoops is out there. Could they get into the Billy Napier sweepstakes now that Florida is making him their top candidate? Does LSU circle back to that or or who? I mean, where does LSU go from here? Uh, there's a chance, unless Lincoln Riley is lying, which again wouldn't surprise me, there's a chance that this search kind of goes off the rails a little bit here. There's a real chance that that happens, just like the Auburn one last year, just like the Tennessee one last year, where you think that the this great big job has come open and they've got all these candidates and then suddenly everybody starts telling them no, and it's a scramble towards the end. I mean, I, I think if we don't have an answer from Riley or if LSU hasn't hired their coach by like Tuesday, maybe Riley did, in fact, tell them no. This thing's going to move pretty quickly, or at least it will move quickly if Riley is lying. If not, then where do they go from here? This thing is going to start um, getting pretty ugly. Maybe, you know, maybe they go down their list. Maybe they find maybe they find Kiffin as now somebody they actually want this time. I don't know. But for now, this is where they are. This is where they are. Oh, Chase, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I love that. Oh, man. Sorry for my language then. I said a couple bad words earlier. Kids, kids, don't use words that the guy on the TV uses. <laughs> I've, I've got to watch my mouth, man. My wife gets on to me about it. I know. I know. I'm just a heathen, apparently. Williams says, I agree next year, Mike, better win the Egg Bowl, but it seems like all these schools never look to see if there's a better coach available before they fire the coaches they have. Yeah, well, either that, the thing with LSU is, okay, Ed Orgeron had, he was the head coach and hired the staff and recruited the quarterback of the one of the greatest teams in college football history, if not the greatest team in college football history. But after that, it became abundantly clear that he wasn't going to win there. It was going to continue down this path. It was. Because despite all of the book writing and the columns and the narrative, he hadn't changed a bit. He was just at a place where it's easier to win. He hadn't changed a bit. Caught lightning in a bottle in 2019, and then after that, failed. That's how that happened. After 2019, he failed, and the the stuff off the field was still there. Hadn't changed a bit. And the the eulogizing that ESPN did, I thought, was kind of a joke, honestly. And, and all these these sports writers that should know better, the, 
oh man, college football is going to be worse off without Ed Orgeron. I I mean, come on. Does anybody read anything that the USA Today has written about the scandals going on there right now and his potential involvement? I mean, come on. It's like we completely ignore what what we've known for years about this person and we eulogize him in his final game. Oh, he, oh guys, did you hear? Oh, we got to hear go Tigers one more time. We got to hear it last night for the final time. And Oh, that just, that struck me. That just hit me. Oh, it's ridiculous. The, the way that he was eulogized yesterday. It's crazy, but it had to be done there. It was only going to get worse. But I agree with you. It, the, the quick trigger without any plausible path is abundant with some of these. I would go with Nia Pierre Fowler them too. That's where I would have gone before going after Jimbo Fisher, which why on earth was that ever something that they pursued in the first place? Any top 10 paid coaches that have never played for their conference championship besides Jimbo? Uh, well, now let's well, let's pull up. Pull up salaries, and, and I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can't read it because USA Today is blocking blocking content here. I'll get around it with Football Scoop. How's that? Okay, so Nick Saban, yes. Ed Orgeron, uh, well, he's fired, but he was a top 10 salary guy going into the year. Yes, obviously. Dabo Sweeney, yes. Has David Shaw played in a Pac-12 championship? Because his $8.9 million salary, according to this release, is uh, undeserved. Lincoln Riley, yes. Dan Mullen, yes. Jimbo, yes. Kirby, yes. James Franklin, yes. Ryan Day, yes. So, yeah, the entire top 10 has played for their conference championship. But now, with uh, with Dave, not Dave Clawson, um, Mel Tucker, he hasn't. Uh, and so he'll move into the top 10. Um, then Jimbo's salary is bigger than seven and a half now. So Mullen's gone and Orgeron's gone. I assume Ryan Day's going to get some kind of a raise after this season. Maybe not, but I assume that's coming. Uh, so, yeah. All but David Shaw. and I, I, Maybe he has. I, I don't know, truthfully. Let's see. I don't think so. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's, I'm such an idiot. I'm so stupid. Yes. He's won the Pac 12. I, I, yes. Multiple times. I'm an idiot. Yes. He has won the Pac 12. Um, so, yeah. All but, um, all but now Mel Tucker. I've been there. I'm an idiot. They still have to be planning on throwing the governor's mansion at Cristobal. I still don't think Joe Brady is off the table. I do just, because he's in line for an NFL head coaching job soon, and those are far better than college coaching jobs, you don't have to call a single 16-year-old as an NFL head coach. You don't have to. You don't have to call one. Nope. You don't have to write handwritten letters to the 16-year-old's girlfriend as an NFL head coach. It's a more luxurious job at that level. It's a far more luxurious job. Um, I think Cristobal, it sounds like that's going to be Miami's guy. That That's seemingly the most likely situation is when Miami moves on from, uh, from Manny that uh, 
although everybody's going to put Kiffin's name in in their hot board, and as they should, mind you. Uh, but it, it sounds like it's going to be Cristobal there. Um, in fact, he was in Miami last night, and he's there today. And the reporting is that he's there to visit his sick mother, which if that is the case, you know, hoping everything's okay there. But that also leads you to believe that if he's got a sick mother in Miami that he's visiting and Miami offers him the job, he would very likely want to be home and closer to home. If Miami has the money, Mario Cristobal is going to be the next head coach at Miami. And I don't even think they have to offer more. They just have to offer enough. You know what I mean? Sounds like that's where this is headed. I could be wrong, but it sounds like that's where this is headed. So, um, your conference championship games, by the way, Oregon, Utah, and the Pac-12 championship, that has no bearing whatsoever on the college football playoff, though it could be a really fun game to watch, but that'll be Friday night, will not impact at all the uh, the college football playoff. The Big 12 championship, it's only Oklahoma State. I don't think Baylor can get in. I really don't believe Baylor can get in, uh, but Oklahoma State, I, I think they're winning their end. The SEC Championship, you guys know this by now. It's Georgia and Alabama. Georgia is going to make the playoff regardless. If Alabama wins, they will too. But I think if they lose this game and it's pretty convincing, they will be out of the playoff. And I'll tell you who I think is going to make it here in a second. The ACC Championship game, another one that has no bearing whatsoever on the college football playoff. Uh, Should be a fun one, though. Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett against Wake Forest. And that fun offense, uh, Hartman's a good player. Uh, should be just good quarterback play, good football, uh, for whatever that's worth. I would encourage you to watch that game, although it has no bearing on the playoff. So there we go already. So of the Power Five, two of their conference championships have no, no, zero, zero impact on the college football playoff. And both of those conferences are in the alliance that is blocking playoff expansion. I think they're going to change their mind after this year. Big Ten Championship, Michigan and Iowa. Michigan win, and they're in. It's that simple. If Michigan wins, they're in the playoff. And then you have the AAC Championship, which I also believe for Cincinnati is win and you're in. I believe that to be the case. If Cincinnati wins, I think they're in. And if I was ranking the teams, here's how I would do it on Tuesday. Georgia 1, Michigan 2. I don't like it. I would hold my nose to do it. But Alabama 3, Cincinnati 4. Oklahoma State, 5, Notre Dame, 6, Baylor, 7, Ole Miss, 8, Ohio State, 9, Oregon, 10. That's how I would have my top 10 going into the championship games. Here's how I think it's going to shake out. Georgia's going to beat Alabama relatively convincingly, and they're going to be the one seed. Michigan is going to beat Iowa. They're going to be the two seed rather convincingly as well. I think Michigan's much better than Iowa. Iowa just can't score. Uh, Three, I believe, will be Cincinnati. I think we're going to have Michigan versus Cincinnati in the first playoff game. Cincinnati's going to beat Houston, and they'll be number three. And number four, I think Oklahoma State is going to make it after beating Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. If Oklahoma State loses, I believe that Notre Dame will make it ahead of two-loss Alabama. So the playoff, to me, as long as it goes to chalk in the conference championship games, will be Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State will be your, uh, your playoff. That's at least uh, that's at least what I think. So, a couple more things. First of all, Texas A and M. Texas A and M is the softest athletic department fan base in the country. Don't forget, by the way, 
And not, yep, Ohio State drops from two to nine. Yep. I would drop them from two to nine if I were making that vote. Yes, I would. They probably won't because they're Ohio State and, you know, that's who they are, whatever. I would drop Ohio State from two to nine. I would. It's not going to happen. That's how I would make it. Either way, Texas A&M is so soft. Remember, this August, when they were negotiating against nobody, when they were negotiating against nobody, they gave Jimbo Fisher a million and a half dollar raise. This August, before the season started, this August, they gave Jimbo a million and a half dollar raise. And they extended his contract back out to 10 years. So he's got 10 years, $90 million guaranteed on his contract. They negotiated against themselves and still lost and gave him that raise and that extension just for them to go eight and four. And like two weeks ago, their athletic director's chest thumping on Twitter about sports writers that said, oh, he's going to, what did Ross Bjork say? Should I at all the sports writers that said he was going to go to LSU? Like, yeah, good for us. I mean, the the reaction to Texas joining the SEC was was sad. It was sad. It was soft. They were afraid. The reaction to Jimbo being named for the LSU job was soft and sad. The contract extension that they gave him was also that. Their teams, their football team is soft. Change coaches doesn't matter. They're still soft. It's the a top 10 talent. It's a top 10 collection of talent in college football based on recruiting rankings and who they have currently on the roster. And it's better than that. It's not like number 10. It's like number five in the country in terms of talent on the roster. Yet they go eight and four. And uh, spare me about they lost their quarterback. Haynes King was going to be his first start was the first game of this season. Who's to say that he would be any better than this anyway? And besides, eight and four with that talent is unacceptable. But it is there because they're going to give him another contract extension. I wish Ross Bjork was my boss. I'd be driving a Maserati around Madison right now. It's insane how people with so much money, so many resources, so much talent can be so soft. And yet that's Texas A&M. Soft. I mean, and then they want to hire Jimbo? Go for it. Please, go for it. Soft is what they are, and they proved it last night. So I've got to go. Sorry, I'm, I'm you know, I'm feeling everything's coming back. So I've, I've got to go. I'm feeling my crap. But, William, we'll talk about it this week for sure. We'll do a lot of NFL this week, I promise. But uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Michael Borky on YouTube. Uh, we'll get a pretty good idea of the bowl picture this week at some point, so we'll talk about that, where, uh, where Ole Miss is going, where State's going, that kind of stuff. We'll get a pretty good idea. And conference championship weekend next weekend. It'll come by fast. So thank you guys. I appreciate you. Uh, sorry, I've got a bolt early, but just, I just have to. It's going to be a long day. So anyway, thank you guys. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Y'all have a good Sunday. Talk 
Mississippi Media Production.